Good morning. God's alive, amen? It is, God is so much for us, and I'm so just excited about what God is doing. Uh, this morning, I, I just snuck into the prayer room. If you didn't know, we pray at 9.30 over in the, in the house there, and I would love for you to join us just for 20 minutes to seek the Lord and pray. I was praying, I, I snuck in there and, um, for a few minutes, and I overheard Mary praying a prayer that it was a declaration that the world, we as a church have been in this place where we're gripped with some anxiety because the world's coming after our children. And her prayer was, God, we're going after their children. That we're not, we're, we're going to stand in faith that the world's not going to take our children. In fact, we're going to go out into the world and we're going to bring the children into the house of the Lord. Amen. God is going to continue to move in this world, in this next generation, and I'm excited about what he's going to do. Um, we've got so much going on. This is like so exciting of a season as a church for us. Um, oh, last Sunday, we got to tell our youth, all our youth, our, about our transition plan as Pastor Eric and Naomi are getting ready to plant a church. Uh, please put on your calendars August 8th. That is our sending slash passing the torch service. And uh, while it's going to probably be very emotional, it's also very exciting because we get to see this kingdom of God enlarged and expanded in the region. And I'm really excited to, uh, to transition to our new leaders. So Mike and Marjorie will be overseeing our high school ministry. And Meg, I saw her, she might have snuck out. Meg. Ward is going to be overseeing our Impact Middle School ministry, and uh, we've got an amazing team, and I'm excited, and so all that's happening on August 8th. It's a huge day for us as a church, just just transition to what God's doing in this next season, so I hope that you can make it there. Well, let's get into the Word this morning. I, uh, I'm kind of grateful this morning. Like, I always want my kids at church with me. My three teenagers both all had to work today, so they weren't at church, and I'm a little bit grateful because my sermon title is super cringe, they would have told me, and so they wouldn't, they, so I, I was like, they won't be here, so it doesn't matter. So this sermon's called From FOMO to JOMO, and, uh, <laughs> and we're going to take a look at what this is about. So first of all, you got to understand what FOMO is. Does anyone know what FOMO is? All right. Fear of missing out. It's a phrase that's been coined through social media as you're scrolling through and you see all your friends are at the beach together and you didn't get invited. And you realize I'm missing out on something. I wish I was there. And we live our lives in this way and we look at what everybody else is doing and we think, wow, I wish I would have been on that vacation. I wish I could be hanging out with these people. And we have this term now and sight is a normalized term, fear of missing out. And it's, it's this phenomenon of that I've seen others live their life, and I feel like I must be missing something. And I believe that God wants to change a perspective today, to be in a change of perspective within us. And I think he began that already in worship this morning in our time of prayer, that God is going to change your perspective on how you see things. So we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 4. We are slowly moving through the book of first peter the sermon series is called born again it's part of our reset theme for this year as we believe god is doing a reset in our church and in our world and uh and we're studying this idea of being born again that god has given us new life 
And today I want you to see that born-again people begin to see things differently. And they begin to have a different perspective than the world has with these things. And so let's see what Peter tells us. We're going to go 1 Peter 4, 1 through 5. It says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves, in the, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. We're just going to look at these five verses this morning, and I believe that they have a deep impact on the way that we live our life. And so let's look at this transition from FOMO to JOMO, and we'll get to what that means here in just a moment. But, but I want to just tell you about the way of the world. This is what Peter begins to talk about. He's talking about the lifestyles of people who don't follow God, and he gives us a list. Now, here's what you need to know about this list. This list is not all-inclusive. It's not all-inclusive. There are several ways to sin. You probably discovered ones that you thought no one ever knew. But there are different ways to sin, and he's giving us a list of sins, and it's an enticement of sin. Now, in here, in these sins, we really, he's focusing on the lust of the flesh, that what sin does is that it entices us, and it begins to draw us in to different things. Here's what you got to understand, is that Satan uses the fear of missing out on God's people and on the world to lure them away from their destiny that he begins to put something in us. There's this idea when we begin to look at what the world is doing, we begin to look at all the activities and what my kids might be missing out on and what I might be missing out on, and he uses those things to lure us away from the destiny that God has in store for us in our life. And it sounds something like this. Oh, but, but if, I, if I really stay true to God, I'll miss out on what everyone else is doing because I'll have some conflict or, man, there's fun to be had over there like that looks really fun like I know like Jesus could you just like close your eyes for a minute because I'm gonna this is gonna be really fun or or we feel like say things like well I just feel like I feel like this is really big right now in the world I feel like that for some reason what we feel has become truth instead of what God has said has become truth and so we have all these ideas in the in the word here in verse 4 says don't be surprised excuse me, it tells us that the world is surprised when you don't join in. That when you say to the world, no, I'm not going to do that, I'm different than that, the world is surprised. How could you miss out on this thing? How could you, how did you not go see this movie? How did you not go read this book? How did you not go to this party? You must be missing out. In fact, the world will ridicule you, slander you, pressure you, and guilt you. And, and anyone who has ever walked through a season of middle school and high school in their life knows the pressure. Knows the pressure of, come on, man, don't be lame. Just come and join us. It's not a big deal. Or, oh, you're one of those stuffy Christians, aren't you? You think you're better than us, don't you? And the world begins to throw these things and lob these statements at you because they're surprised that you wouldn't join them. But here's the problem with sin. Sin is a bait and switch. 
It is a bait and switch. It entices you in. It promises a good time, but always, and I mean always, ends in destruction. Always ends in destruction. And sometimes that destruction happens sooner than later. And if it somehow the destruction doesn't happen while on this earth, it will happen in eternity. And sin always ends in destruction. We see from Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does anyone go to work ever? Yeah? Does anyone, when they go to work and your boss gives you things to do, do you just ever have the feeling of like, I just want to do this for free? <laughs> no? You want wages. You're there, you want the paycheck, right? If you, if you didn't need the wages, you'd be in your motorhome, traveling the, the world, traveling the country, having a good old time, camping or something. Or you'd be flying all over the place. You wouldn't need the paycheck. But you go to work, and the expectation is, is after you put in the work, they issue you a paycheck. And the paycheck is what you need to purchase things on this earth. Now, the provision is not the, is not the job. The provision is the Lord. And the job is a, is a means in which God provides for us. God provides for us in lots of ways. And, and just to be on a tangent for a second, you know, God can provide for you in non-monetary ways. Did you know that? He can provide for you in a way where in your, your deepest heart, you're like, really want a new car, but the 20-year-old car that you drive just won't break down. Right? God's provision on your life. Saying, I'm going to help you be a good steward of the things that you have. Here's the thing about sin. Sin is a terrible boss. Now, some of you have probably worked for terrible bosses before. Eric does not work for a terrible boss, I'm sure. No. <laughs> he works for the Lord. Sin is a terrible boss who pays terrible wages. The wages of sin is death and destruction. So when you work for sin in your life, if you go to work for sin, if you go to work for Jesus, and your life is about, I want to live my life in honor and in tribute and in sacrifice and I work as though I'm working under the Lord, then what you get is provision. What you get is blessing. What you get is love and honor from the Lord. But when you work for sin, the wages is destruction. That's the paycheck. And that's a terrible paycheck. I don't know anyone who would sign up for that. And this is why it's a bait and switch. Since says, come work for me, it'll be fun. And then you go work for sin, and work says, actually, like, here's your death. That's what you get for your wages. Verse 5 tells us that this destruction isn't just now, it's in the life to come. It says that they will give an account. And this is a, a passage of scripture here where we ought to take seriously. It says that they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. You see, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That The Bible tells us that all will stand before God. And those who have lived this lifestyle that Peter's talking about are going to have to stand before the Lord and give an account. Peter preached this message in the book of Acts. As you read through the book of Acts, the church began. Peter says this in Acts 10, 42. He commanded us to preach to the people, to testify that he, Jesus, is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. That when you 
live a life immersed in the things of this world, Peter says, I just want to caution you. You will stand before the one who will judge it all. Do you still have FOMO? Do you still have fear of missing out? Fear of missing out? I've got all these things that the world offers and, and I might be missing out, but Peter says, I want to remind you that if that's what you engage your life in, then you will stand before God. Because you know what you're really missing out on? You're not missing out on all the fun. You're not missing out on all the pleasure. You're missing out on a horrible paycheck and judgment. That's what you're missing out of. You see, the judgment of God should not scare us as Christians. It should compel us. There's a different attitude and a different mindset at play. That when we think about the judgment of God, we need to be compelled to live a holy life. We need to be compelled to be evangelists. We need to be compelled to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ because I desire no one in my life. Every single person I know, even the people who maybe I don't love as much as others. I love them, but maybe I don't like them as much as others. Maybe the people who don't treat me well, or the people who, who, who say things to me that, that I don't want to hear, the people who I disagree with. All those people, whether we agree about things or we disagree about things, I don't want to see a single person stand before the judgment of God and be condemned. And so the judgment of God compels us, compels us to, to tell people about Jesus, compels us to enlarge the kingdom of God for the sake of eternity. And so as we think about this, this is a, a scripture that can scare people. And I want to tell you as a Christian, this should not scare you. This should not scare you that you stand before God. You stand before God. And as you stand before God, you have the son of God with you. You have the fact that you've already been to court. This is a legal term, all right? So when you go to court and you are judged and you are sentenced, your sentence has already been handed down because Jesus already took it. He already took it for you. He already stepped in and took the punishment upon himself. And so when we think about the judgment of God, it should compel us to be different, to compel us to live another way. And Peter tells us that that time to live different is now. It's, time, it's right now is that time. In fact, he says in verse 3, he says, for the time that is past suffices. Now, the way this is worded is a little bit confusing, but essentially he's saying this. All of the sin that you did back there, that was enough time. You've spent enough time. Time is up. You don't have to worry about, did I get all my sinning in first? Did I have enough time on this? He says, all the things you've done in the past, that, that'll suffice. That's enough. That's good. You don't need this anymore. You don't need to like have this one last thing. I think about this, this concept in our world that's the most insane concept that I've, one of the most insane concepts, there's a lot, and that is the bachelor and bachelorette party. It's, a, it's absolutely the most insane thing that happens in our world because you've made a decision, you've fallen in love with someone, and you've committed to give your whole life to them, and then you spend one last night on this list that Peter lists. And Peter would say, why would you do that? The time that you've already done these things, that was enough time. Now it's time to move forward. It's time to move forward in your marriage. It's time to move forward with this person you've committed your life to. It's time to move forward with Jesus. And so when we look at these, these things in our life, we we have to realize there's, it's done. 
You don't need a bigger quota. You don't need more time to get all your sin in. You don't need more time. You know, we look at our life and we think, oh, but there's so many, there's the things I just want to enjoy in the world. I don't have to worry about like what God might think about. It. I just want to have fun. Peter says, look, just be done. Would you just be done? Leave the way of living in the past. Live that way of thinking in the past. And Peter wants us to start, stop living that FOMO life, that fear of missing out, that what the world is doing, how am I going to fit in? How am I going to participate? And he wants us to move to what I will call a JOMO life. And I did not make up this term, believe it or not. It's real. JOMO, joy of missing out. Joy of missing out. This is an actual thing, right? It, it, this is an actual social media term. It means this, a feeling of contentment with one's own pursuits and activities without worrying over the possibility of missing out on what others may be doing. Joy of missing out. That as God's people, there should be some joy in our life that we're missing out on some things of the world. Not regret, not envy, but joy. Joy of missing out. And I've got some joy. Does anyone else have joy today? The joy of the Lord? I tell you, I have got some joy in my life. I've got joy that sin doesn't hold me captive anymore. And I've got joy over that. I've got joy that the Lord is my strength. I've got joy that the judgment of God was poured out on Jesus and not on me. I've got joy that I get to spend eternal life in glory with Jesus. Amen? I've got joy of missing out on God's wrath. I'm so glad I'm missing out on that. I've got joy of missing out on death's paycheck. I've got joy of missing out on the empty things that the world has to offer. And when I look out in the world, my perspective has changed. And no longer do I look and say, oh man, if I wasn't a Christian, I could go do that. But I look at that and I say, I have joy that I'm missing out on that. Because God has something better for my life. He's got a better way. He has a better way than me going and living a life and showing up to work and having all this stress and anxiety and trying to please every person because I live to please God. And so I've got joy that I'm missing out on having to please every person in my life. I've got joy of missing out that I have to be everybody's savior in my life because Jesus is the savior. It's a paradigm shift. It's a different way of thinking, a different way of living. I want to I look at this list one more time. Sorry, middle schoolers, if you're here. Our parents of middle schoolers, you can talk about this later. <clears throat> Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. The world wants to tell you you're missing out on pleasure. But when I see this list, I'm so joyful that I'm missing out. Because when I see this list, this list... You know what I feel like I'm missing out on? I'm missing out on a hangover. I'm missing out on a bad decision. I'm missing out on an STD. I'm missing out on depression. I'm missing out on all kinds of things. Discontentment. I'm missing out on a destructive thought life. Amen. I'm missing out on all the things that I want to miss out on because I have made a decision to live my life in Jesus. And so I've got some joy of missing out today because this is what God's word says is to have a new way of thinking and a new way of living. And so Peter presents us this idea. And he says it's time to have a different way to think and to live. A new perspective. And in order to live a life in which you have the joy of missing out. He says you've got to think different. And then you've got to live different. You've got to think different and live different. A new way of thinking. He says this in verse 1. 
Since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, in a, in a couple of weeks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, gonna to dive a little deeper into this concept of suffering, and I promise the message will not be a downer. But it is in here. It is in the Word. He talks, it gives a whole section about what suffering is about. But this, where he's talking suffering here, is really about suffering in the flesh in order to really bring victory in your life. You see, Jesus was willing to suffer in the flesh to bring victory in the Spirit. You see, Jesus did a work, and in the flesh, he suffered. He suffered. Now, when we think Jesus suffered, well, yes, Jesus suffered by dying on the cross and surrendering his life. But do you know that Jesus also suffered by denying his fleshly desires? Do you know that Jesus suffered by enduring rejection and ridicule? He suffered by being persecuted. He suffered by completely surrendering his life. His flesh suffered in order to bring spiritual victory, not just in his life, but in your life. In the lives of your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, Jesus suffered in the flesh to bring victory in the spirit. And through this suffering, Jesus overcame the power of death. He overcame the power of sin. He overcame these things that easily entangle us. And we need to now have a new mindset, Peter says, that we align ourselves with that mindset of Jesus, that we don't get so consumed with whether or not it's inconvenient for our flesh. We don't have to get so consumed with whether it's inconvenient and and our flesh has to say, I don't want that. This is essentially what fasting is, by the way. It's, It's to suffer in the flesh in order to move into a place of spiritual victory, in order to tell your flesh, you're not the boss of me. And there are times in our lives where we need to, our flesh needs to be reminded, you're not the boss of me. But that my spirit is in charge, my God is in charge. You see, when you change your mindset, when you change your mindset of laying down what your sin nature wants and aligning what God wants, your flesh might suffer, but your spirit will soar. It's a different way of thinking. It's a completely different way of looking. You see, this kind of thinking, it treats sin very differently. Rather than starting, see, here's how we treat sin so often. We start from a position of defeat. We look at our past failures. We look at these things that we are having a hard time overcoming, and we start with defeat, and we say, I'm going to do everything I can to break out of this place of defeat in my life. But what we are called to do as sons and daughters of the Most High God is to start from a position of victory, not start from a position of defeat. We start from a position of victory and we remind sin, I'm already free. That we don't start from this place where we say, oh, I don't know, I can never overcome it. It's just too much. I can't handle it anymore. That when these temptations begin to come into our life, we can stand up and we can say, oh, temptation, addiction. I just want to remind you, I'm already free. I have already been free. And you may have got me back then, but you're not getting me again today because I've already been set free. Your chains have been loosed from me. And you begin to come with a different attitude of thinking, a different way of approaching your situation. Romans 6.11 says that you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. If you are in Christ, if you have received Jesus in your life, you 
have a place of victory in which you can begin to live from. You can begin to live from that place of victory and consider yourselves dead to the power of sin in your life. That that power is dead and gone and that the power of Jesus is alive. You see, we read scriptures here in, in John, Jesus talks about the thief. He talks about the thief that comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. And so often we tremble with fear over that and, and say, man, I'm trying to live for God, but I'm telling you what, the, the enemy's coming in and he's trying to steal this from me. He's trying to, to kill and he's trying to destroy. But see, I come at that with a different mindset. I come at with a different mindset because the enemy can't steal anything from me. I don't have anything. I've given it all to God. It's already his. What is there to steal? He can't kill anything. I'm already dead. I already died to myself, and I'm alive in Christ, and I know he can't kill Christ, right? He can't destroy. He can't destroy because I confess that I'm already nothing without Jesus. I'm already absolutely rubble, but Jesus is my everything. So what's left of me? Nothing. I've given it all to God. I'm alive in Jesus, and I'm nothing without him. And so I don't have to live my life in fear. What will the enemy do to me? He will come and kill and steal and destroy me. I'm already nothing. And Jesus is everything. It's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of thinking. I don't have to worry and have fear of what he's going to take. But I have joy that I have everything in Jesus. And this mindset change, and it's a subtle mindset change, but it's also at the same time a radical mindset change. To begin to live your life from a different viewpoint, a different perspective. Have you ever gone uh, hiking? Anyone ever gone hiking up a, a fairly tall mountain? Right? And you look at the bottom, and you, go, and you look up, and you go, that's really high. That looks impossible. And then you climb it, and you get to that high mountain. And for some reason, when you look down, it doesn't look as high as it did when you were down below. You're like, well, that doesn't seem that far. Because you're looking from the top down, it's a different perspective. See, when you're looking from the bottom up, it looks so daunting. But when you, you're at the top and you look around and you look down, you say, no, this, this isn't too bad. This isn't so hard. I remember driving up this pass and it was so long of a drive. And I looked down and it was majestic and beautiful and I was looking down into the valley. And it was, we were high up. But I'm telling you, it looked way higher up from the floor than it did from the ceiling. And this is the different way we look at our lives. You get to live a life from on top of that mountain. Not that it's always going to be this mountaintop, wonderful, everything is rosy experience. But that's where Jesus resides. He resides in the high places. And your perspective can be in the high places with him. And you can think differently. And then that translates into a new way of living. That it can't just be the way that we think. You see, the life we live is not just about a belief in what God has said. James tells us that faith without works is nothing. You see, we believe in Jesus. We believe in his words. We believe he set us free. But God calls us to now live what we believe. To begin to line our life up with what we say we believe. He says in verse 2, So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. See, it has to go beyond thinking and translate to a new way of thinking. I came across this quote from L.M. Grant, pastor, 
theologian from early 1900s, and he said this, to suffer in the flesh involves the refusal of sin's enticements, and hence ceasing from sin, the decision of the heart to no longer live as subjects to natural lusts, but rather as subject to the will of God. This is normal Christianity. Listen, if you make a decision in your life, which Peter calls us to, to stop playing in the world and begin to live with joy in what God has for you, that's normal Christianity. That's what Christianity is supposed to be. And if you look out in the world today, what you see is a very watered-down Christianity. We see a Christianity that is, I am living the best life I can, and I'm asking God to bless it. And man, am I blessed. Jesus says it's not that, it's about living different. You see, I don't define God's word. God's word defines me. I don't, I don't say, God, this is how I'm going to give my life. Could I get some input? No, this tells me how to live my life. You see, it's not a matter of trying to just do things the way that the world does and bring Jesus into it. That's not how the life we are called to live looks. Because what will happen is if you try to just live the way of the world and sprinkle some Jesus on top, then what happens is that the flesh will pull you right back into the world to pursue the passions, to pursue what the world is doing, to blend in. Don't stand out. Don't be too different. But the truth is, we are different. We are different. We should be different. And when we look at our lives We've got to ask ourselves the question, do I look any different from the people around me in my life, in my workplace who don't know Jesus? Do I, do I just try to blend in? And I don't mean you have to go out and be a weirdo. I mean, they might think you are at times. But I just mean, do you look different? Do you look like you've been with Jesus? Do you look like the light of God is upon your life? I love the, these passages, the book of Acts, the early church is so inspiring to me. I love this passage where these, the apostles are, are brought in a court and the court basically says, these guys are, are really a bunch of morons. They're not very intelligent. They can't really accomplish anything. But man, they look like they've been with Jesus. They look like they've been with someone else. They look like they've been with Jesus. They've spent time with him. And I wonder in our lives, do we look any different than the world? Do we look like we've been with Jesus? You see, we are called to live in this flesh, but not live by this flesh. If you are going to be present on this earth, and you all are, right now in this moment, we are all in the flesh, every single one of us. But we are not called to live in the flesh. We're called to, to live, excuse me, we're called to be in the flesh, but not by the flesh. That we live our lives and we don't, we can't escape it, this body I don't desire to escape this body right now. Like someday I want to escape this body and spend eternity with Jesus. But right now I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission from God. I'm on a mission from God to pastor a church. I'm on a mission from God to lead my family and my children and then someday their children in, in a legacy that will follow God and will flip the world upside down. And that we'll be a, be a people that are about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. You see... We are to live differently, not by the flesh. Paul writes in Galatians 2, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 
In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You see, we've got to begin living differently. A, a life where we consider the joy of missing out on what the world has to offer. Do you guys ever have anybody come to your front door and knock and try to sell you something? I had a guy come up to my door, I think it was a week ago, and he knocks on the door, and I said, let me guess, you want to sell me pest control services? Because he was like the eighth guy this summer, right? And he just smiled and laughed. And you know when someone like starts to pressure you into buy something, or maybe you're at the car lot and you're being pressured to buy something, you have this strategic advantage if you are married because you can say, I have to check with my wife. Or I have to check with my husband. In fact, you know what? If you're not married, just go ahead and say the same thing. It doesn't matter. Because you're speaking it out in faith. Right? <laughs> Someday, right? And they're saying, did you talk to your husband? And you're like, I don't know. He hasn't showed up yet, so he's not here. That's all the truth. He's not here. He hasn't arrived on the scene. But it's kind of like a way out. And, and, and you know, you, they, hold on, I got to go check with my wife. And then you can come back and this mysterious wife or husband, you know, that doesn't come to the front door. Oh, sorry, yeah. They said no. You know, I know it's too bad. I know my wife runs the show here, so just, you know, sorry, you know. It doesn't matter. Just, we're just trying to not buy the thing. That's all that matters at this moment, is to not buy the thing. But what would happen in our lives if when temptation comes knocking on our door, instead of wrestling with it and fighting with it and, and trying to decide, will I give in or not? What if we just simply said, hold on, I got to go check with my Jesus first. Before I buy, I got to go check with Jesus. What would happen if we put that pause in our life when temptation came? What would happen if we put that pause in our life before we opened our mouth and said something that we tried to reel back real fast? Say, hold on, before I do this, I've got to check with Jesus. It's a different way of living, a faith way of living, a Jesus way of living. And Peter is calling the church to stop living the way the world lives and to stop chasing after the things of this world and to start lining ourselves up with what God has to offer. This can be hard because the way of the world is so prevalent that we do things God's way. I, I remember when I was in management and I told all the people I work with that I'm going to quit and I'm going to go into ministry. And they all said, you are insane. Don't you know about how much money you're about to make? You see, what they didn't realize is that I had a wealth that wasn't tied up in finances. What they didn't realize is that I wasn't looking at the situation with the perspective that the world was looking at. I wasn't living, I wasn't going saying, well, I, I'm going to get out of this job that's high pain and I'm going to have fear of missing out on this and this and this. There were things when I was younger that I was like, when I wish when I grow up, I, you know, my wife and I talk about a lot, man, I was going to live on a lake and own a boat and all that. And you know what? I know people who live on a lake and own a boat, so it's, it's great. <laughs> hey, can I come over to your house? But there's those things and the world says, but you're going to miss out on that. You're going to miss out on all these things. I have so much joy of missing out on stomach ulcers and missing out on stresses and work, missing out on massive overtime and missing out on 
having to fire people. Like, I, I'm, I'm missing out on all that, and I have so much joy that I'm missing out on that. We begin to line ourselves up and say, you know what, if I'm going to pursue what God's calling me to do in my life, I don't have to have fear of missing out. I don't have to have fear of lack. I don't have to have fear that God's not going to come through. I don't have fear that we're not going to make it. I don't need to have fear of these things because I have a joy. Because I'm missing out on something that was robbing my peace. I'm missing out on something that was robbing my joy. I'm missing out on something that was robbing my soul. And I am going to live a different way. And I will be consumed by what God is doing and not by what the world is doing. And so my challenge to you this morning is simply this. What Peter tells us is stop living this life where you fear that you're going to miss out on something that the world is offering. And start having some joy that you're missing out on something that the world is offering. Because when you see through it and you see what really is there, you'll have that joy. And Peter tells us, this is how born-again people live. This is how born-again people ought to live, to put those things behind us, to change our perspective, to think different, to live different, and begin to have joy that what God has is so much better than the world has. Amen? We stand this morning. I want to pray for you. I want you to think as we go to close and if you want prayer this morning, you're welcome to come forward or come forward again for the second time. That's fine too. But I want you to just ask yourself some, some simple questions. Is, is, there, is there a place in your life where fear of missing out has lured you away from what God has for you? Has lured you away from what God's best is for your life? Has that pulled you away? Does your mindset need an adjustment? Does your way of living need an adjustment? Say, God, I, I want to live this your way. I want to truly live like I'm born again and begin to have that joy of missing out. If you want prayer this morning for anything, maybe there's something God's calling you to surrender. Maybe God's calling you to surrender a mindset or maybe it's something physical or a direction. We'd love to pray with you this morning. Right now, I want to pray over all of you and we'll sing a chorus together before we go. So Lord, we come before you today. Lord, I pray that as your people that we would stop living a life where we fear missing out on the things of this world and that our perspective would change and that we'd begin to have the joy of missing out on sin's enticement, joy of missing out on captivity, joy of missing out on judgment, joy of missing out on destruction, Lord God. Lord, we come to you this morning and we say, God, we want to align our lives with yours. Align our lives with the way that you call us to live, Lord God. And Lord, rather than having sorrow for what we're missing, Lord, I pray that you replace that with joy for not only what we're missing, but for what we're gaining in you. So God, teach us to think different. Would you shift our perspective this morning? Lord, that if there's there's anyone here who's trying to blend in the way of the world and in your way and trying to just mix them together. Lord, I pray that you would show them the way. The born again way, Lord. The way that you have for us. The best way. We just give you, Lord God, we give you our baggage. We give you our sin. We give you our our plans our goals, our dreams, and we put them in your hands, Lord, and we say you lead. 
you lead me. I confess this morning that my joy is found in nothing else but you alone. For you are a God who is good. You alone are good. You alone are pure. You alone are holy. You alone are righteous. God, you alone are good. So I place my life into your hands again. Thank you.